coming to you loud and clear from our safe and germ-free homes and on Wisconsin Public Radio, this is Zorba Pastor on your health. I'm Carl Christensen filling in for Tom Clark. And as always, we're here to talk with you about what's new in healthy living, share some down-to-earth advice and great lifestyle tips to help you get the most out of life. And as usual, Zorba, we have a few topics to talk about. Right. We're going to talk about music during surgery and what differences that make to your surgical outcomes. Some very interesting stuff that goes when you're asleep, maybe you're not completely asleep. And we're also going to talk about childhood diet, how when you set up that diet for your kids, when they're children, it may produce a lifetime of health or may produce a lifetime of ill health and the importance of actually giving your kids lots of fruits and veggies. Interesting, very non-controversial research that may help you determine what you're going to do with your children or your grandchildren. And what's our special listener recipe today? Oh, it's Rita's Baked Tofu. Now, I know there are a lot of tofu fans out there. Oh, yeah. Public radio skews tofu. I know that. <laughs> However, we know that Tom is not exactly a tofu kind of an embracer. So I will see exactly how Tom corresponds to this recipe and whether or not he really likes it. I happen to like tofu. If you like tofu, stay Tuned. I wanted to say stay tofuned, but I would say stay tuned. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't tofuned. say that, by the way. Yeah, I didn't say to. You didn't say it. I would never say that. Never, never, never. <laughs> I can't wait to see Tom dig into this I recipe. I know. You know, Tom and tofu, <laughs> when I think of Tom, I think of tofu. They are one and the same. 800-462-7413 is the number to call, where you can leave us a voicemail anytime with your question for Zorba. And then stay tuned. You might just hear yourself on an upcoming episode of the show. That's 800-462-7413. Also happy to announce later in the show, we'll hear from Tom Clark in his highly experimental test kitchen for that tofu recipe. It's going to be great. You know, I like that. Tom's <laughs> test kitchen. Maybe we should have a raffle, a raffle. So we'll do it in Tom's test kitchen. And then we'll have people come into the test kitchen and they'll actually see Tom actually put the stuff in the microwave and cook it. That's what we'll do. He's and just then, testing his microwave every and day. Then just <laughs> at, at once or twice a day. That's right. Just making sure it actually works. So, <laughs> All right. We've been combing through the many voicemails listeners have left us. So let's kick stuff off today with a caller who hails from the birthplace of actor and famous oatmeal pitch man, Wilfred Brimley. Oatmeal pitch man? You mean this is the Quaker Oats guy with the hat and everything else? I mean, that's the oatmeal pitch man. Not the guy on the Quaker Oats, uh, you know, container, but the guy who did commercials, the actor uh -huh, who was uh -huh. in Cocoon and a bunch uh -huh. of other movies, oh, Wilfred Brimley. And did, and did the Quaker Do you think Quaker Oats were actually invented by a Quaker back in the day? You think that was really why they put the Quaker on there? <laughs> I mean, it's kind of, you kind Are of Are you saying there was some it. Quaker appropriation going on? I don't know. I don't know. You know, I, you know, I mean, you got, the, you got the hat on and it kind of looks like it should be more like Puritan Oats versus mm -hmm. Quaker Oats when you look at the hat bun. I always thought that guy looked like Michael uh, Landon from Little House on the Prairie. He does. He does bit. look. He does. But he was there when I was a kid, and like Michael Landon was probably the same age as I was. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Let's hear from Salt Lake City, Utah. The question is, I'm thinking about not having the vaccine on this virus thing for 57 years. I've I've only had three colds. I never get sick. I've never had the flu before. I've never had a flu shot. I'm just thinking what Zorba would comment on my structure of my body. And I've given my blood to certain people that have the virus who have maybe five days to live. And I've given my blood and they're out of the hospital in two days. My antibodies are so high. Why should I get a vaccine to prevent this virus that I'm not going to get, and I don't wear a mask wherever I go. Anyway, thank you. Bye. Awesome questions and uh, some awesome comments. So first of all, uh, even if you've been great your whole time, and obviously he's got a great immune system, doesn't get colds, doesn't get flu shots, uh, he's got a great immune system, uh, it, it's really no guarantee that you're going to get immune from COVID. So you can have a great immune system. And we've got lots of 
you know, lots of things that show that. We have half a million people who died, many of which had great immune systems. Some of them in their 20s, 30s, 40s, really healthy, great immune system, and COVID can wreak havoc. So even though your immune system has been great, doesn't mean it's going to protect you. Now, side effect point of view, people worry about side effects. You are, uh, you are, you got to put it into perspective. You are 11 times more likely to be struck by lightning than you are to have a side effect, a significant side effect from the COVID vaccine. In other words, you're not going to, I mean, not twice as likely to be struck by lightning, but 11 times. In other words, the side effect from the COVID vaccine, anaphylaxis is very, very rare, hardly happens at all. And 70% of them occur in the first 15 minutes. So I tell people if they're worried about that, stay for 30 minutes. Now, so my recommendation is everyone gets a mask but it's not just for you, it's for the next person. So here we have somebody who doesn't wear a mask. That may be okay for them, but if they have COVID and they actually have COVID and they don't have any symptoms at all, they can transmit it to somebody else. So wearing a mask is not for you, it's for your neighbor. So my recommendation is let's follow good public health measures, wear a mask. Now, now what's unfortunate is that's become a political issue. But let me tell you, the book, The Great Influenza, fabulous book about what happened during the influenza pandemic of 1918 that killed 20 to 50 million people worldwide. All this political stuff that's going on today, it went on in 1918. This is not unusual. This is the human condition where people make their own decisions. And sometimes the decisions are not the right ones to make for society. Wear a mask, socially distance, wash your hands, get immunized. That's the best, not just for you, but for the guy next door. 800-462-7413 is the number to call anytime to leave a message with a question for Dr. Zorba. And we'll get back to those calls in just a little bit. But first, Zorba, tell us about how listening to music in the operating room could be helpful for the patient. Well, it turns out it is helpful. So around the world, there are roughly around 200 million people who get general anesthesia every year. This is an article out of the British Medical Journal. That's a lot of people. Now, when you have general anesthesia, you're also given other medications so you don't move. And the thought is you don't have any sensations, but the answer is you do. And there's some terrible cases where people do not go into deep anesthesia and they are actually awake and aware when they're having surgery, even though they have no sensation, they can hear it and they can feel it, even though the pain receptors are there. Can you imagine that, Carl? Yeah, that would not, that doesn't sound fun. Oh, it's an awful, awful situation. So the idea is we're going to put you, you know, put you down so you don't have a, you know, you don't, you, you don't remember anything else of their medications they're given. But basically, the question was, what's going on in the surgical suite that might make a difference? So researchers took a trial. They took roughly 400 patients, young patients as young as 18, old Older is the age of 75. We're having elective surgery. The surgery was like a one to three hour uh, time period. And half were in the intervention group, half were in the control group. And, you know, some had back surgery, whole different kinds of surgeries. And it turned out the intervention group had an audio tape of background music with positive suggestions, sort of hypnotic things like relax, things are going to be okay. The music was good. And it was a 20 minute thing that kept on repeated every 20 minutes with 10 minutes of silence in between. Okay. So they had a tape. The other people didn't have any tape at all. Then what they looked at is they looked at opioid requirements after the surgery. Okay. Everyone woke up, nobody remembered anything. They all went into deep anesthesia. And it turned out that the people who had music and positive suggestions during surgery had a reduction a significant reduction in the opioid use post-surgery. In other words, they didn't need as much painkillers after the surgery was completed. And that brings up a very interesting idea that what's going on in your brain during surgery may affect how much pain you have post-surgery. And it may also affect how well you recover. That they didn't measure, but it may, you know, do recovery. Now, I used to... um, be in the surgical suite, especially during the first part of my career, I would assist in a lot of surgeries. I did that for about 15 years. And let me tell you something, we're always talking in the surgical suite. We're talking about what's going on in the belly. We're talking about other things. What do you think about the weather? And like everything else, when you're, when you're in the middle of deep concentration, you're talking specifically about what's going on. But when things are more relaxed, you're talking about what's going on in day-to-day events. You never assume the person who's asleep is listening to you talking. Right. But the answer is, 
they may be listening subconsciously because that part of their brain may be going on. And so the idea of playing beautiful music and hypnotic music may also be worthwhile for them. And even though there's am, there's amnesia during surgery and we give medications for it, maybe it's not complete amnesia. So maybe this is something we should be doing with all surgical procedures. And maybe it's something that you, if you're going to have surgery, should talk to about to your to the surgeon. The anesthesiologist usually comes in just before the surgery and talks to you. But you may mention to the surgeon, hey, I want to have pleasant music with, with anesthesia. And they may say, well, we don't do that. In which case, you bring in the music yourself and you bring in the headphones yourself and you say, I want to have this run during my, during my surgery. And frankly, the anesthesiologist should say, okay. I'll put in the earbuds and you listen to the music that you want to listen to. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, so many couples will, you know, nowadays will bring a, a playlist, like a specific custom playlist that uh-huh. they've made for in the birthing suite. You in know, the birthing it's a very yeah. common thing yes. to do. Yes. So, so it, it seems what would to make you, sense. what would you listen to if you needed knee surgery, Carl? Here's the thing, Zorba. We're going to get to a playlist later in the show. I'm going to save that for later. <laughs> I'm glad you asked, but we will cover that. I promise. Listeners, we will. We'll okay. To a so you're not going to give me. Of surgery you're not going to give me an answer right now. I mean, you're going to ask me what I'm going to, what am I going to listen to? Well, uh, yeah, I'd like to know. Show tunes. <laughs> I love show tunes. That's not relaxing I, at all I, though, I, is it? Oh, I love show tunes. They just make me <laughs> happy. I listen to a whole bunch of other things, but I'd have show tunes would be at the top of my playlist. I love it. All right. We will, like I said, we'll get back to a playlist, a surgery playlist in a little bit later in the show. Let's first go back to the calls though at 800-462-7413. Let's check in. This is a voicemail from Buffalo, New York. Hi, my question is regarding cholesterol and I believe a double whammy or a windfall for pharmaceutical companies keep hearing about how it should be pushed lower and lower below 200. And my understanding is that cholesterol is necessary in men for the production of testosterone. So it seems to me if they can push it low enough in men, then they can also sell us an ED drug. So what is the really acceptable LDL level for males 65 and older in good health? I really have a problem with big pharma, and I'm always trying to push and sell things that we don't need. So what is a good level for LDL cholesterol in a male compared to that in women? Thank you very much. Love your show. Take care. Thanks. Thanks for loving the show. Uh, So first of all, let's talk about uh, sort of, let's not just talk about the price of cholesterol-lowering drugs. It's not only big pharma that does it, it's kind of tiny pharma. And you can now get, if you go to goodrx.com and you look at Lipitor, Lipitor, when it was trademarked, you know, when it was branded, was a $12 billion a year drug for Pfizer because it was so successful. And it was very expensive. I don't remember how much it was a month, but it was quite a lot if you paid for it yourself. You can now get a 30-day supply of Lipitor and its equivalent for about five to seven dollars at goodrx.com. So when it comes to a cholesterol-lowering drug now, big pharma's out of the picture, tiny generic pharma, that's the way to go. And frankly, if you're not on a generic, you better call your doctor. There's still some name brand drugs out there for cholesterol. I don't recommend that you get any of them. It should all be generic. Now, is cholesterol necessary? You bet. It's Cholesterol is necessary for all a whole bunch of, of hormonal things that our bodies actually produce, not just testosterone, but a bunch of other things that our bodies produce. So yes, you do need a certain amount of cholesterol, but we know that when you actually reduce cholesterol, you reduce the risk of heart attack and stroke. And basically, in the last 30 years since uh, the first drug, Mevacor, came on the market from Merck because of high blood pressure, reduction of smoking, eating better food, and cholesterol-lowering medications, we've reduced premature heart attacks, death by them, by 75%. That's a huge thing. So I am all for lowering cholesterol. The goal is generally below 130 for the LDL cholesterol, If you are at high risk, if you have diabetes, if you have significant hypertension, previous heart attack, then we want to get that number even lower, below 100 and preferably to about 60 or 70. And with the generic drugs, we can do that easily. Now, what about ED? Viagra, when it was name brand, generally cost about $10 to $15 per orgasm. And it's now dropped to about 50 cents per orgasm. Now, as you get older, the ability 
to get an erection, the ability to have an orgasm changes over time. When you're 18, it's totally different than when you're 65 or 75 or 80. Why? Because the body changes. And your body changes if you smoke cigarettes, if you have hypertension, if you're on blood pressure pills, especially beta blockers, if you drink too much alcohol, there are a whole bunch of things that can change that erectile function. But what uh, Cialis and Viagra do, and also Levitra, but but Cialis and Viagra are now no longer branded. So they're inexpensive. Best taken on an empty stomach, best taken in an hour or two before you're going to have relations, is that the drugs simply increase the ability to have an erection and have an orgasm. And once again, these are now cheap, inexpensive drugs. So being against pharma, I think big pharma has of space. And I think the issue is also big pharma has to be under control. I mean, there's no doubt about it. They can have too much control and that's where we have to step in with regulations. But when it comes to Viagra, Cialis, and Lipitor, the cholesterol-lowering drugs, we're now with small pharma generic drugs. Cheap, you make the choice. 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. But before we take a break, Zorba, we always appreciate our listeners posting on the Zorba Pastor on Your Health Facebook page. So it's time again for Facebook Feedback. Facebook Feedback. Okay, Zorba, as promised, earlier in this segment, we were talking about how listening to music during surgery could be helpful for some patients. So we decided to ask our listeners on Facebook to help build us a song playlist for surgery And we got some really good answers. We got some great suggestions. You want to hear some of them? Yeah, I do. I definitely do. All right. We got a lot of them. This is just a sampling here. Polly in Wisconsin suggested Mac the Knife. Oh, Mac the Knife. (laughs) Right? Okay. (laughs) Tom in Cromwell, Minnesota suggested Comfortably Numb by Pink Floyd. Oh, I I probably know what that is if I listen to it. Uh, I like that. Okay. Soaring guitar solos. I I guess it's kind of relaxing. Um, I think he went for the title, though, Comfortably Numb. Kitty in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Like a Surgeon by Weird Al Yankovic. (laughs) Uh, A Facebooker named Adam suggested, now this one kind of, it was unsettling to me. I still haven't found what I'm looking for by U2. I don't know if I want my surgeon not finding what they're looking for. Jan in Oklahoma says, quote, what I don't want to hear when I'm having surgery is another one bites the dust. (laughs) Mike in San Diego said, quote, for plastic surgery, I'd like to hear baby got back. By Sir Mix-a-Lot. You know that song? No, I don't. (laughs) I don't. I bet you've heard it. If you've gone to a wedding, you've heard that song. What's the name of the song? Baby Got Back. Baby Got Back. I'm probably heard it. It starts out, I like big butts and I cannot lie. I know you've heard that song. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Anyways, as for plastic surgery. And finally, Zorba, Jen in Waukesha, Wisconsin, suggested... The First Cut is the Deepest by Cat Stevens. A lot of people have done this song. Rod Stewart, Cheryl Crow did it, and a bunch of others. Um, I kind of did a little deep dive on this song because I, I really do like this song. So Cat Stevens wrote the song, but the first version of the song was recorded in 1967 by a soul singer named P.P. P. Arnold. And she was a backup singer for Ike and Tina Turner and a bunch of other soul groups in the 60s and 70s. But she never really had like a breakout solo career but she has this amazing voice, like an, just an incredible voice. And look, I know this is not a, a music show that we're doing here, but it's this not? song, Herbert. I thought, Lord, I thought it was a music show. It <laughs> does have a lot of music. I've been waiting days. for the music for more than 25 years. I mean, I just <laughs> I think it's supposed to be a music show. But this, her version, P.P. P. Arnold's version of this song is, is so good, I just want to play a little bit of it. If, if, do you want to hear a little bit of this? Yeah, it's, of course. It's, it's pretty amazing. Of All course. right, Brad, let's hear P.P. Let's hear P. P. Arnold's version of The First Cut is the Deepest. I would have given you all of my heart But there's someone who's torn it apart And he's taken almost all that I have got But if you want out that's 
pretty great, isn't it, Sorbo? I think it's great. It's rather, it's rather appropriate, totally appropriate. But <laughs> I still think we should end with another one bites, another one the, bites dust. the dust. <laughs> and the first, this should be the first one, the first cut, <laughs> the deepest. That should be the beginning of the playlist. And another one bites the dust. You got a whole thing here, and you've got a Saturday Night Live routine. That's it. <laughs> it's a surgical Saturday Night Live routine. Sorbo, I don't know if I want you to be my surgeon. If that's, if that's the song you want to end my surgery with, I don't think I want you to be my surgeon. <laughs> but that's why I didn't go into surgery. Oh, that's right. You're not really a surgeon, but yeah. Um, anyways, thanks for all those suggestions. Thanks for the Facebook comments. It's not too late to add your favorite surgery song to the growing playlist on our Facebook page. And don't forget, you can always send us an email at Zorba at WPR.org. We have more of your calls to come, more of your emails as well. And Zorba and local celebrity chef Tom Clark will be preparing a special listener tofu recipe that Chef Tom will surely be happy to try. I'm sure he's going to love it. All that is coming up on Zorba Pastor on Your Health from PRX, the public radio exchange. Carl Christensen filling in for Tom Clark on Zorba Pastor On Your Health. Now, there are plenty of reasons to listen to the show, and one of those reasons is to see what Chef Tom Clark is cooking up in his state-of-the-art kitchen. So, let's head over there now, where Zorba and Tom are busy putting together a special listener recipe, Rita's Baked Tofu. Carl, will be back in just a few minutes. Recipe time now, and Zorba, this is Rita's Baked Tofu. From listener Rita in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin. Rita says, this recipe allows the tofu to have a golden outside and soft inside. A bit reminiscent of chicken cubes. I use it so that I don't have to fry the tofu, and it works well in a chop suey or other casserole-type recipes. So you know, Zorba, what a tofu fan (laughs) I am. And here's how much I don't like tofu. I've never eaten it. You've never eaten tofu? Never Are you serious? I don't now, know anything about tofu. No, no, no. Wait a second. Now, what, what is what is tofu? Is it an invention? It's not an. It's not an animal. It's not a vegetable. <laughs> it's not a fish. What is tofu? It's made from soybeans. It's a vegetable, but it's not really a vegetable. I mean, it's made from soybeans, which which is a bean. But wait a second. We have been doing this show for what, 45, 50 years, at least. Something like that, yeah. 45, 50 years. And I know you don't like tofu, but you can't tell me now for the first time you've never had tofu. But I know I don't like it. Rita, sorry. (laughs) Sorry, Rita. You know what? I'm going to actually eat tofu before our next show all right okay but we have to get you the right tofu to eat that's right we have to make something how does that sound does that sound oh that's good? a deal yeah okay that's a deal okay so we start out by the way using with 16 ounces of extra firm tofu and uh, there's something about this so there are several different kinds of tofu they're soft there's medium, there's firm, and there's extra firm. And they really do make a difference. The soft is sort of, uh, well, it's obviously, it's obviously much softer, but it sort of falls apart. And the extra firm is the stuff you have to get because when you fry it up, if you fry up the soft, it's going to break apart and it's just going to become kind of a pudding-like. So you don't want that. So 16 ounces of extra firm tofu. Okay, <laughs> let's see. What's the next thing? Three tablespoonfuls of a good soy sauce like tamari. Mm -hmm. Uh, Two teaspoons of chili garlic sauce. Two little tea chili garlic sauce. Uh, Two teaspoons of toasted sesame oil. Two little tea toasted sesame oil. Uh, One inch, you've got to add a one inch piece of fresh ginger that you grate. A one inch piece fresh ginger grated. Grated. And then you're going to need about uh, roughly about four to five tablespoons full of cornstarch. Mm-hmm. Four to five big tea 
cornstarch. So let's make it. So first of yeah. all, drain the tofu to dry. So you put the, the tofu in a strainer and you want to drain it. There's water all around it. It's nice and dry. Sometimes you have to press it a little bit to get that water out of that. You want to get it as dry as you can and then cut it into small cubes and then wrap it in a towel, either a tea towel or a Turkish towel. Tea towel would be better. A Turkish towel is going to absorb too much moisture away from it. And you want to put something over the towel for about 20 minutes to press down some moisture. So while the tofu is being pressed, mix the marinade in a medium bowl, the soy sauce, chili garlic sauce, and the sesame oil. And then after the tofu is pressed, uh, stir it into the marinade, you know, making sure that it's coated all over. And you want to leave it in there for about 20 minutes. And you took the moisture out of the tofu, so you're putting the marinade back in the tofu. So it's got lots of really good taste. And then Transfer that tofu into a nice Ziploc bag, stirring the cornstarch, teaspoon at a time in the cornstarch until the tofu is sort of gummy. It's not exactly gummy, but you want to have all the cornstarch absorbed on the top of the tofu. Next, preheat the oven to 400 degrees, line a baking sheet with parchment paper, because if you do it with a nice cooking parchment paper, you don't have to actually wash anything, which is really nice. Transfer the tofu to the parchment lined pan and bake for 18 minutes and then stir for about seven to 10 minutes more until it's brown and firm. And that's about 25 or 30 minutes. And that's it. That is yeah. Rita's baked tofu. It's a very interesting dish. I've been a like firm tofu. So this is something that that sings to my heart. Yeah. Rita, don't be too mad at me. I'm 84. But I have uh, rested uh, development in some areas, and eating <laughs> certainly one of them. When I was seven years old, I refused to eat anything I didn't like the looks of, and I'm still that way, so I'm sorry. Now, wait a second, Tom. These are two things. Number one, I never knew that you never ate tofu. And number two, I didn't think you were 84. I thought you were like 64. I didn't think you were 84 years old. Yeah, I am 64. I was just pretending to be 84. <laughs> Well, you know, if people want this recipe, they can't write us, uh, they can't sing to us, they can't yell at us, but they can come to our mm -hmm. website. That's at zorbapastor.org. And you can see pictures of Tom. And one day, one day, Tom will have tofu in front of him. And he has already said that he'll try it. So you know what? We're going to get him on camera and see what he thinks. That's a deal. And that's our recipe. Zorba, we'll see you next week. Yes. <laughs> and uh, let's send it back to Carl now. Thanks, Tom. 800-462-7413 is the number to call anytime to leave a question for Zorba. And let's go back to those voicemails now. Here is a listener in Knoxville, Tennessee. I have uh, been advised by my doctor to go see a cardiologist. Uh, unfortunately, the health care plan I have uh, has an exorbitant um, deductible, and they also have an out-of-pocket expense, uh, which adds up to the thousands. My problem is I know I have AFib, and uh, in the past I've been prescribed medicines that were too expensive to deal with some of the issues of, of blood clotting and so far. And I'm afraid when I go to the doctor now, I don't really know how much the doctor visit is going to cost. I don't know what the uh, what the test are going to cost, and um, I don't want to go and spend uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars and come out of there with a uh, result of reaffirming that I have AFib and a treatment that says, okay, I'm going to prescribe you this medicine, and it is uh, three hundred, four, five hundred dollars a month that I cannot afford. In your opinion, what is the best way to go about trying to understand what the price is before before making an appointment? Is there a way I can call the <laughs> I can call the doctor and say, "Listen, how much is this uh, going to cost to try to figure out this?" And then the second thing is, was there not treatments before you know twenty twenty five years ago that could deal with these problems that would be generic treatments on on AFib and and so forth, fast heartbeat? Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Such a big problem and such a common problem, you know, especially if insurance with a high deductible and all of a sudden you may be stuck with a whole bunch of tests and an evaluation and you walk out with the same prescription and you'd like to know beforehand, you know, what's it about. So AFib is common. Uh, we worry about AFib either 
uh, if you have AFib continuously or you have AFib intermittently, you have to be on a blood thinner. So the cheapest blood thinner is warfarin. Warfarin is a great blood thinner. We've had it for many years, more than 25 years. The drug has been on the market actually probably for about 45 or 50 years. Um, the problem with warfarin is you've got to get a blood test once a month and that has to be regulated. So a lot of doctors do that. You get the blood test, but then it's the expense of the blood test monthly, sometimes more than monthly, because there's something called a narrow therapeutic index. In other words, too much warfarin and you bleed too little warfarin in your clots. So that is the cheapest drug that is on the market. And then for about the last probably 10 or 20 years, drug companies have been looking for drugs that you can use that will do the same thing, but do not require the monitoring. That's where these very expensive drugs come in. They're trademarked, uh, they're branded, they're not gonna go generic in the near future. Lots of research went into these drugs. I would guess probably, especially if you look at the failures, I would guess three to $5 billion of research because a lot of those drugs that were tested bit the dust. Now, given that, the drug companies also have rebates that they will give to people if they apply. And so if you, and, and they're often based on insurance and you fill out a form, they're often based on whether or not uh, how much income you have. So let's take Eliquis, that's one of the major drugs. Seralto, X-E-R-A-L-T-O is another drug that's on there. Go to their website, Fill it out on the website, see whether or not you're eligible to get it as a reduced price. And then often you have to do that once a year. And believe it or not, uh, they give it out to a lot of people. And the reason is they make a lot of money from the insurance companies. So apply for that. That's what I would do. Because the newer drugs, the newer uh, anticoagulants are easier and you don't have to go for the blood test. That's what I would do. That's number one. Number two, if you have atrial fibrillation and you know, you've had it for a number of years, if you go to a cardiologist, what they're going to do is they're going to do an echocardiogram to see what the heart looks like and then make some decisions whether or not you can take a medication or to get you out of atrial fibrillation or whether or not you'll have what's called DC counter shock to shock you out of that and whether or not you're actually eligible for that. But if it's longstanding AFib, it's very doubtful that they would do that. So I think what you want to do is have a conversation with your doctor and say, look, if I have atrial fib and I've had it for a long time, what I'd like to do is I don't want to spend the money to go and see this doctor. Now, can you find out how much it's going to cost? Sure. Call them up and ask them what's the visit going to cost me. But if, it, if they decide they're going to do tests, that office probably is not going to know about those tests. And finding the cheapest place to do the test out of pocket is not easy. Hmm. And that's the problem. And I wish I could solve that. But that's the whole problem with medical care in the U.S. 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. And Zorba, we get so many calls from our fantastic listeners with so many great questions. And we also get calls from helpful listeners who just want to share a comment or a healthy tip. So let's take some time now to hear a few of these calls in the segment we call Caller Comments. This is a bunch of caller comments. People calling us with their health tips. Thanks. We appreciate it. Yes, we do. We do appreciate it. First up, Zorba, let's hear from a caller in the sleepy little river town of Red Wing, Minnesota. I was just listening to the question about how do you keep your glasses from fogging up the mask. And I learned from other people that when you have your mask, put that on first and then, then put your glasses on so that the glasses, the edge of the lower part of the glasses are actually touching the mask. And believe it or not, that really does work. <laughs> rather than putting the mask over things. So if the glasses edge is touching your cloth mask, it really does work without a Band-Aid. Love your show, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's great. That is a great idea. Thank you. Thank you so much for that tip. I love it. Absolutely love it. 800-462-7413. Finally, Zorba, here's a caller from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. I would like to leave in addition to something I just heard on Zarba Pastor about a lady who had hearing loss in one ear. There is currently a uh, help for single-sided deafness. It is called a bone-attached hearing aid, and it will help immensely in her hearing loss. Thank you. 
Have you heard of that one, Zorba? Uh, you know, I've not heard of it, but hearing loss is really important. Amplifying hearing is incredibly important, and I think it's a great thing to look at, one of those things to look at. Uh, I'm very impressed by the whole variety of things uh, that you can get to actually help with hearing, and the real issue is getting people to decide whether they actually take their hearing aids and use them. Sometimes that's the challenge, but good, good point. I haven't heard of it, but it's certainly something I would look into it if I had a single-sided hearing loss. 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. But before we take a break, Zorba, let's check in again with your favorite backseat drivers, the Grammar Police. And actually, Zorba, this email came to us from a listener named Joy, who refers to herself as the regularity police. <laughs> you ready for this? Well, right. it's not about constipation. That's all well, I care we'll, about. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, Joy writes, hello, Dr. Zorba, Carl, Tom, unsung hero Brad, and of Ooh. course, Otis. Oh, she got yeah. it all in there. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was just listening with interest to your show the other day when you discussed the benefits of owning pets. During your discourse, you said that, quote, pets are, you know, even more important than ever to keep us regular, unquote. (laughs) At this point, I cocked an eyebrow and looked at my two cats. (laughs) They, in turn, both shrugged their shoulders in the gesture universally understood to mean, don't ask me. Now, call me old-fashioned, but I thought pets helped us increase our mental well-being, reduce blood pressure, and provide companionship. Their role in promoting regular bowel movements was a surprise, to say the least. You're talking about the least. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. So, Dr. Zorba, can I now... Joy Joy goes on. So, Dr. Zorba, can I now get rid of my stash of X-Lax and Metamucil? (laughs) Is my whole grain diet a waste of time? If I get a dog, will I go even more frequently? (laughs) Yours regularly, Joy. You know, uh, there's there's a Latin phrase, res ipse locator. The thing speaks for itself. (laughs) That's that's it. Good enough. Would you like to join the ever-growing and hyper-specialized divisions of the Grammar Police Force? Just post on our Facebook page or send us an email at... Zorba at WPR.org. All right. We have more of your calls to come. We have another interesting topic to discuss. And Zorba will be answering more of your emails. All that coming up on Zorba Pastor on your health from PRX, the public radio exchange. Carl Christensen filling in for Tom Clark on Zorba Pastor on Your Health. 800-462-7413 is the number to call where anytime you can leave a voicemail for Dr. Zorba. And then stay tuned. You just might hear yourself on the show. But before we hear from more of our listeners, Zorba, there's new research published about how unhealthy eating habits for children can actually maybe follow them into adulthood. Right, exactly. What about your kids? You feed them junk food every day? Is that what you do, Carl? I think it's a good mix of healthy food and junk food. (laughs) We're trying to (laughs) strike a balance right through the middle. (laughs) The reality is you try to feed your kids well all the time. Yeah, it's always a tricky challenge, and it's never easy to to always be healthy. Yeah, because kids like adults. We like sweetness. We like high fat. We like certain textures, other textures we don't. The French, of course, you know, uh, there was a great book written years ago about the fact that the French children eat everything. That was roughly, if you Google that, you'll find the book. And it's about how you teach your kids to eat a lot of different things. But there's research, it's mouse research, but it's important research that shows that eating too much fat and sugar as a child may change your microbiome. Those are the bacteria, the fungi, the viruses that live in your gut for the rest of your life. And But they basically took us, they took mice 
And uh, you might not think uh, that mice and humans have a lot in common, but we do. A lot of research is done on mice because it's easy to study them. And not only that, but believe it or not, health habits can be very similar. They have a very short lifespan, obviously, but we can find a lot of things from them. And they basically gave some mice a Western diet, high in fat, high in sugar, high in refined carbohydrates. And the other mice, they basically gave a whole different diet, a diet that you would call kind of a whole foods Trader Joe's diet, which would be a diet <laughs> that would have, you know, with the right of more grains and things like that. And mm-hmm. lo and behold, the, the biome that were living in their gut changed between one diet and the next and stayed for the whole lifetime of the mouse, even then when they fed the mouse that had refined sugars, refined carbohydrates, fed them the better diet, the microbiome never returned to like the level that seemed to be normal. It really is an issue. How do you get your kids to eat other things? Uh, bribes. It's a lot of bribing. <laughs> uh-huh. But it's bribing. Yeah, it's bribing. I'm learning that parenting is just an amazing amount of bribes. Happening uh-huh. with, it's just an amazing like, amount of bribes. If you eat this, then you get this. You know, like you, if you eat this, you get to watch this. Uh-huh. Like but that's okay. Something. But that's right. You got to do. You've got to attach it to things that that they like. <laughs> right. And I think bribing, although we call it reinforcement, okay. but the reality is, it's still a bribe. It can make a difference. But I think as a parent, it's really important. This shows again, what we feed our kids and what we do with them early on in their life may produce a lifetime of health. So it's very important to get your children to eat all those different textures, whole grains, whole fruits, whole vegetables, because it'll make a difference. And it affects the microbiome that lives in their gut probably forever. My dad will like that I, I said this, but he he was a he's retired now, but he was a, a high school psychology teacher. And one of his favorite things that he would say to us as we were growing up was, life is a bribe, B.F. Skinner. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was a psych major, so I do remember B.F. Skinner, and I met him once. And you oh, know what? I, yeah, I met him once. He was he was something. He came to the UW <laughs> and gave some sort of a lecture, and it was that. And I don't know if you know that he wrote a, his daughter wrote a book on how uh, kind of difficult and awful it was growing up in his house because he treated his daughter like he treated his rats in a rat maze. And I don't remember the name of the book, but it was a bestseller in the '60s, and it did not bode well for B.F. Skinner. He was not happy, hmm. not happy with the book. So it's worth it's worth noting that not all of life is a bribe, but only part of it. 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. That's the number to call if you'd like to leave us a question anytime. Let's get back to those calls. Here is a caller in Wisconsin. My question is in regards to migraine headaches. I grew up in Germany and my whole family had migraine headaches. So we all took a German medication, migraine carnite. Once I married my husband, we switched over to a British military hospital who prescribed Kafegat, uh, which worked. But then when I came to the States, my doctor didn't believe they were migraines. So he tried all kinds of medication, mainly uh, mood elevators, and they did not work. So since uh, Cafagat contains caffeine and I believe aspirin, I started taking one no dose a day with two aspirins. And that prevented me from having migraines most of the time. My, I'm old now, so I don't do that anymore. But I wonder if there was something to it or if it was just in my mind. Thank you. Oh, there's there's a lot to it. First of all, um, Cafragat, which was a great older migraine drug, worked well. It doesn't work as well as the new triptans, such as sumatriptan for migraine headaches, but it really was an old drug that, that worked well. Uh, and Cafragat contained caffeine and ergot. And ergot was basically, I think it was a fungi, I can't remember exactly, that lived on the rye plant. And by the way, uh, when Sandoz was looking for a better migraine medicine, the uh, the the people that were working on the scientists developed a great product for migraines, but it had major side effects. It works well for migraines, but the side effects were intolerable. The drug was called lysergic acid diethylamide, LSD. I don't know what that is. <laughs> LSD. So it was a great migraine drug, but they found the side effects were just not worth giving Small it. Small side effects to that one. Small side, but it came, but it came from ERGA. Um, now, as for taking uh, aspirin and caffeine to prevent migraines, yes, they really do work. And it's 
it's actually, there's an excellent drug combination that prevents lots of migraines. As you get older, your migraines tend to disappear. It's one of the advantages of, of old age, if you will, older age. Now, I'm a migraineur. I got my first migraines when I was five years old. My mother had migraines. Uh, she never called it migraines, but they were. I can remember migraines. Uh, and basically, I get very few migraines now that I'm in my 70s. But I got them well into my 20s, 30s, and 40s. So it was not in her mind. The caffeine and aspirin did work. That was not part of uh, the, the caffeine got that she took because that was only caffeine and ergot. But the reality is migraines still need to be attended to. And the newest use on the block for people with serious migraines that you can't do anything about is to use Botox. And Botox, believe it or not, it can be an excellent drug given uh, within the scalp to help prevent migraines. And that's really for people who have serious migraines that disable them where oral medications don't work or where they cannot tolerate them. 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. All right, Zorba, as you know, this show goes out all over the airwaves and also streams online to thousands of listeners all over the world. And of course, almost all of them listen intently with deep appreciation and <laughs> profound respect. Right, Zorba? Right, right. <laughs> but every now and then there's a listener who hears something you say and then immediately pulls their car over, pulls out their phone, and fires off an email to let us know how badly you messed up. I'm shocked. And, right? I am shocked. <laughs> and believe it or not, we appreciate this so much so that we've carved out a special segment to hear from our, I guess let's call them more disappointed listeners. <laughs> this is Disagreeing with the Doc. All right, Zorba, this email came to us from a listener named Philip in Trempolo, Wisconsin. Philip writes, Dear Zorba, you just recommended that after applying Selsun Blue, you should wear a shower cap and wait five minutes before rinsing while sitting in the shower, running the nice warm water. No, no, no. Please don't <laughs> recommend wasting all that water right. and using all right. that energy to right. heat that Sorry. wasted water. Right. I love your show. I've been a listener for decades. Right. What do you right. think? Right, right. Oh, I think they're right. I think they're right. I mean, you know, really the most ecological thing is to jump in the shower, do a quick wash, and then jump out of the shower. However, Sometimes some of us like to hang out in the shower, sing nice. a couple of songs, nice have there. some nice warm water. The voice sounds better it's in the shower. The voice sounds better <laughs> in the shower. So I, I think they really, I think they really have a point. And you know, you've got to go for the gold. You've got to go for exactly what your lifestyle fits, and then you've got to do a carbon offset to make sure you actually don't <laughs> waste, waste, waste. Do you think Zorba totally blew it? And needs to repent for his cell sins. Oh. That was almost too much to get through. Sorry. Almost. Just almost. Almost. <laughs> Just post your grievances on our Facebook page. Or you can always send us an email at Zorba at WPR.org. All right. Back to your calls at 800-462-7413. Let's hear from a caller now in Rochester, New York. Hi. I had a question uh, related to powerlifting. Right now, my bench press is stuck at uh, 350, and I can't seem to get past it. And I just didn't know if you guys could give me a hand. I appreciate it. Thank you. Now, before you answer, Zorba, I you know I put this call in because he's what did he say 350? I have right. the same. Right. I have the same problem. I'm I'm actually 351 on my bench uh -huh. press, but. I have the same problem. So I'm really tuned into what you're going to say here. No, no, no. You have the same problem. We're trying to figure out. So but what are you going to do? I'm about a it? huge power lifter. So I really so want to hear your answer. You to this. Just, I don't think of that out. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you're asking me, I mean, the un, I am the unpower lifter. I'm how to get past 350 on a bench You're a mental rest. power lifter. I feel mental like you have mental strength. power lifter. So my advice would be <laughs> to ask someone who knows what they're doing on how to get past 350 with power lifting. But but these are these are kind of interesting issues because I have patients who actually have heart disease and wonder whether or not they should be power lifting and lifting heavy things. And one of the issues when you're doing, especially if you have cardiovascular disease, if you've had a stent or you've had an MI, is if you have to valsalva, when you're lifting, you go, 
uh, and you actually put extra pressure into your chest, that's actually not good for your heart if already you have cardiac problems. Now, this guy does not sound like he has cardiac problems. So you know what? I'm going to turf that call to you, Carl. What's the answer? <laughs> oh, man. I, I was just kidding. I'm definitely not a power lifter. Uh, <laughs> yeah? I don't think okay. I could bench 350 or Come on. even Come on, 150. When was the last time, when was the last maybe time you 50? tried? <laughs> <laughs> last time I tried a bench press. It's been a long time. It's been a while. <laughs> How about you? Uh, thank you. Now, what's the next You have a trainer, though. You have what's a personal trainer, right? Yeah, I do. Uh, do you ever I do the bench press? Tra- yeah, I do, but it's nowhere near 350. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even going to tell you what the number is. <laughs> well, you do reps, low. right? Low rate, low weight reps, maybe? Oh, yeah. I can make any excuse I want to, but I'm not anywhere near 350. That's the way you go. And we'll just you know leave what? it there, then. <laughs> you know what? In my lifetime, I was never, ever, ever anywhere near 350. Now, I had friends who undoubtedly did 350, and those are the people I would invite over to my house if I needed some major work done and I needed somebody to carry something heavy. But for me, (laughs) nope, nope, nope. Let's leave it there then. 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. But before we head out today, Zorba, we always love it when our listeners offer up helpful information or funny stories. The following email came to us from a listener named Sarah who listens to the show on KRPS in Pittsburgh, Kansas. And Sarah writes, Dr. Zorba, I listen to part of your show, and then I leave the radio on for my dogs when I'm gone at church. Today it was mentioned that by using Alexa, your show would come up and play. I have Alexa, and when I came home from church, my radio was on, but I was hearing your show also. At first I wondered what had happened, but then I remembered what was said on the radio show. So Alexa heard it and started playing your show, so it works. <laughs> so How about that? Works. That's That's <laughs> Technology it. works. It works. It works. I was trying to look at the crossroads between Alexa, the show, and religion. I couldn't quite connect that together. But the reality is, yes, if you say Alexa, our show plays, and now it does it play and play and play and play over and over again. That That's I a good no question. Idea. That's I don't know. a good question. I'm glad but, her dog likes the show but too. The rea- you know what? You know what? Dogs have to engage in good health too. And just like our dog watches television, I'm sure some dogs listen to public radio. The real question is, do they donate? (laughs) That's a good question. All right. Uh, 800-462-7413 is the number to call anytime. But we got to wrap it up. Stay well, Zorba. Take care, Tom, and you stay well too. (laughs) if you miss anything during the show or you just want to download our show podcast visit us on the web at zorbapastor.org and of course you can find us on facebook (laughs) (laughs) and don't forget you can call us anytime to leave us your question at 800-462-7413 and go to the facebook page like dr zorba just said and he's got a lot of coronavirus updates going on there so that's the best spot to look for his updates Zorba Pastor on Your Health is a production of Wisconsin Public Radio. It is not intended as a medical diagnosis, so please do check with your doc. Our executive producer is me, Carl Christensen, and our technical director is Brad Kohlberg. Our theme music is by Leo and Ben Sidron. For Zorba Pastor and Tom Clark, I'm Carl Christensen asking you to join us on the next Zorba Pastor on Your Health. Did you miss something on today's show? Simply go to ZorbaPastor.org to catch up on all things Zorba. There you will find recipes from the show, links to the Facebook page, Zorba's healthy living articles, and you can subscribe to the weekly podcast. On the web, that's ZorbaPastor.org.